Okay, now is the time for the leader to qualify. And uh, I'm going to send some pictures around. And, um, okay, very good. I'm Reva, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm very, very happy to be here today. Um, This was my home meeting for many, 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 many years, and I moved to the Valley, and my son is away at camp, so I'm able to be here this morning, and I'm so grateful. Um, I'm going to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. I want to get some stats out of the way. Um, I am a 100-pounder. I have been abstinent abstinent now for almost two and a half years. So um, I brought my little list of what it was like, so you'll, I'm sure, all relate. These are the things that I did to try to arrest this addiction. I tried Tony Robbins, nutritionists, eating disorder units, Weight Watchers, way too many times to begin to tell you. And as you see, I actually got very successful in Weight Watchers and got to my goal. And um, my dream come true is I was going to be a um, leader. And I went for the training for the weekend. And, you know, the minute I got to my goal, as happened many, 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 too many times to count. I'm a 100-pounder. I've lost 100 pounds at least 10 times. So I am an accordion with weight loss. Um, But I binged that weekend so hard and so furiously that I gained so much weight that weekend and I wasn't able to train. And, of course, that whole thing went out, went up in food. Um, Not smoke, food. Um, acupuncture, Pritikin. There was a Pritikin Institute um, at, uh, um, at the beach. I went there three times. Uh, Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, Octofast, UCLA, the, the fasting. I did that three times. That's not eating for eight and nine months at a time. Um, pre-measured food, trainers, psychiatrists, therapists, drugs, spas, greens, tapping. Esalen, Bob Green, you know who he is from The Biggest Loser. Um, Oprah, Oprah's trainer, um, Big Sur, Omega Institute, Behavior Modification, various programs at Cedar sinai um, Book Self-Help, Nancy Sokolow, who was a uh, very renowned eating disorder behavior modification person, Rabbis, Raider Institute, UCLA OCD unit, because I thought I had OCD, sober eating, nutritionist, and Kabbalah. So that's what I did. <laughs> okay? There was not, I mean, there was nothing I didn't try. This was my job, and this all started when I was in the third grade, when I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting with my mom and my neighbor, and it was, and it was fun. We made those butter, buttermilk milkshakes with the strawberries, and we had our canned tuna, and, and I didn't have a problem then. So a little bit of my background, I'm from Pittsburgh. Um, I had four siblings. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, my mother was very, very obese as a child. When she was five, she was very obese. She broke a chair. She didn't want to go back to school, and she really didn't. I mean, she kind of just was very sketchily going to school. She became, um, she became, uh, she would hang out with 
her mother's friends who were professional poker players. And um, my mom didn't have a father. She had a very cruel stepbrother, and she was obese. And I mean obese. She was almost 200 pounds when she was like five, six years old. So her weight um, was her monkey on her back all her life. And um, so she didn't learn any coping mechanisms. But she got lucky, and she, um, she had relatives that would say to her, if you lost weight, I'm going to give you this. So they would send her to the fat camps. And at one point when she was about 21 years old, they said, well, if you, you know, I'll get you a fur coat. The third one was, we're going to send you to Paris, and we have someone you, that you can meet there. So my mother went to Paris, and she was thin at that time. And uh, she was there to meet a man, and the man was not to her liking because looks were very important to her because... She never had a boyfriend. She never had anyone. So it was very important for her to have, you know, what do we call it, arm candy. So she met the man. She didn't like him, but then she met my father. And my father was very, very handsome. And he was a Holocaust survivor. He had just gotten out of the war. It was 1946 or seven. I don't remember exactly. She spoke Hungarian. He spoke Hungarian. And six weeks later, they were married. Six weeks, one month, six weeks, one week later, my mother was pregnant. Her claim to fame was she never saw a penis. That was her claim to fame. You know, she had never had a boyfriend. I think she had seen a penis, though, because I do think that she had some sexual molestation because her mother owned a bar. I mean, a real bar in Pittsburgh. And they had a rooming house above the bar where all the people who were the you know, riffraff would live. So I do think there was a lot of sexual molestation. That's why I think she was obese when she was five. I really do. Anyways, we had a very crazy... My father was orthodox. He was the finest, the most respected. He wouldn't say the word shit if his life depended on it. If he got mad, he would just whistle and walk out the door. And my mother was a full-fledged maniac. If she wanted to get him mad, she'd fry up the bacon in the house and bring the the shrimp in with the Chinese food. I mean, it was her only pleasure. She loved to say, um, if I'm allowed to swear, she loved to call him a motherfucker. And then she would say, you're a mother hunter and a motherfucker. And that was her only pleasure, was to try to make him disturbed, but she couldn't. She couldn't. Anyways, there were four kids. We never learned when we grew up how to be mature. We didn't know how to pause. When my mother had something to say, she said it. When she wanted to act a certain way, she did it. She was also a compulsive gambler. She would go for four or five days at a stretch, not come home. And she was good, by the way. And she smoked, and she ate, and she was funny. She was very, very, very funny. So we had four kids, and every one of us was plagued with addiction. Um, My older brother became a medical doctor, and he was a cocaine and alcohol addict. My sister um, weighed 350 pounds. She has the sleeve. She's not in this program. She is happy with herself right now, and she's still, you know, good, I would say 75, 100 pounds overweight, but, you know, she's good. She's good. And then my younger brother got murdered when he was uh, 27 years old because he was involved with gambling and drugs. So, um, and then me, I had this addiction, and, and it, wasn't, it, did, it wasn't just food. I had everything. There was nothing I didn't try to use to, um, 
to cope. I tried, you know, I alcohol and drugs and sex and um, and food. But food was is my drug of choice. There nothing. There's nothing like that food for me. There is nothing. And it's everything. It's not just sugar. It's just anything that I can shove. So it doesn't matter if it's old or stale or frozen or dirty or moldy. That's how I ate. That's how I ate. This is an addiction. This is a monkey on your back that will bring you down every time you use for me. Um, so... Um, you know, I tried everything. I even tried OA. I tried OA many, many times. I went to OA, OA the first time in 1974 with my mother and my sister on the corner of Crescent Heights and Olympic. And we walked out and we thought it was weird because you were talking about blah, 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 blah. We all know the story. How we tried and left and came and went and came and went. And, you know, I, and I did that every time. And every time I really did have the sincerest of intentions. Um, so, then... In 1997, my father passed away, and I gained a quick 50 from September to December. And um, I basically ate, it was during the holiday time, so I would say it was sugar, fat, and alcohol. Those were my three, cheese, cheese, sugar, bread, and and, and as much as I could. Um, and, uh, and I was very depressed, very, de- I mean... What does this addiction give you? It really gives you depression, self-loathing, self-hatred, remorse, guilt, you know, all of these emotions. That's, that's its specialty, really. I mean, it, you can't do this and not get that. It doesn't work. Um, so I was at my bottom in a 19... Thousand, I'm sorry, 19, no, no, 2003. It was not, not 1997. It was 2003. My father passed away. And so in December uh, 23rd, I came back to OA. And um, I got a sponsor. And I had to detox from this food. So I took four days off of work. And I literally, all I did was go to meetings, eat three meals a day that were very clean, and walk quietly around my house. That's kind of all I did. And what happened from there was um, I um, became abstinent, and I was very involved in the program for a very long time. I was coming. This was my home meeting. Serenity Sunday was my home meeting. I went to three meetings without fail. I, I was sponsored. I worked the program. I did service. And, um, but, and I heard everything. I heard everything, but um, I kept, I was still eating. You know, my abstinence, I claimed my abstinence to be no alcohol and no frozen yogurt. Frozen yogurt was my real drug of choice. I mean, you probably all know the Bermuda Triangle, which is on the corner of Olympic and Westwood, <laughs> which is um, penguins, uh, uh, big chill, and then there used to be a Baskin or Robin. So I would just, you know, line it up in the car and it would drip. And by the way, I was a very um, dangerous driver. I got into more accidents, more accidents than I did when I was drinking. I got in more accidents from the food, eating, watching, covering, dripping, you know, cleaning. I mean, so then I would go there, and then the third one was on the corner of Olympic and Arpico and um, La Cienega, which was uh, 
Foster's Freeze in the El Pollo Loco because that would, that would get me home. That would get me home. Anyways, so, but it was frozen yogurt and alcohol. But, and I, and I, and I lost my weight. I got to about 25 pounds um, more than I am now, but I was pretty happy with that weight. But I kept using food. I, when the tough, rough got going, I reached. No, no matter what. They say no matter what, don't take that first compulsive bite. No matter what, I took that food back every single time. It might be a day. It might be three days. It might be three weeks. Now, the good news was that I was in this program. So <clears throat> I didn't have to gain all my weight back. And I just kept going. And I had very loving sponsors. And I don't regret one second of being here for those 12 years. Um, because they all just said, that's okay, honey. You're a compulsive overeater. Keep coming back. But it didn't really get me to the promised land. And the promised land is finding out what makes me eat. If I keep eating, I'm never going to find out. I'm not going to recover. And that's what I did for 12 years and I claim myself abstinent there was you couldn't take that from me no way no how then I moved to the valley and when I moved to the valley I it was too much for me I I just it was too much I just couldn't you know and I forgot to mention and it's very important part of my story is that um, when I became I I had um, wanted to have a child uh, I've never had a relationship with a man. I will put that out there. I have never had an adult, healthy relationship with a man to this day. But um, anyways, um, but I did want to have a I did want to have a child, and so I had tried um, up until um, uh, when I became abstinent. I had done all the footwork. And um, people would go to these um, classes, like, to prepare for a child. And what are your obstacles? What are your problems? And they would say, oh, I don't have support. Oh, I don't have money. I couldn't raise my hand and say, well, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm really worried. I can't be a mom because I'm going to leave that kid in the car when I go on my runs for food. I can't stop. I cannot stop. Anyways, that was very real. But then when I became abstinent, six months later, I got my child. And the truth is that um, I really wanted a baby. I didn't know that I was going to get a baby that was going to turn into a person. And now I'm dealing with a 14-year-old son, and I'm living with this person. And that's really another whole story unto itself that I'm just beyond grateful for that. But anyways, I came to the Valley. Everything was very, very overwhelming for me. And the food was coming faster and more furious and now I'm going back to Weight Watchers again I'm here I'm still in OA but I can't stop eating and then I would call everybody in the valley that had what I wanted they were happy joyous free they weren't using food and I'd call them everybody was kinder and nicer and warmer than the next and they would say okay honey let's get going and then I would do it and then I would binge and they'd say okay we gotta start again I'd say no you know I gotta no I can't until Mother's Day I had Mother's Day, which was, uh, I was in a movie theater with my son, and I ordered that large popcorn so I could get the second one for free, and I ate it by myself, and I, and you know, to eat two large popcorns in an hour and a half, you got to eat it really hard and fast, and my mouth was cut up pretty bad from that eating. I mean, we don't care what we do to ourselves, and you know, that's the saddest part, you know, anyways, 
I came home that night. I had a lunch that was, again, I was back to that fat, you know, fat, as much as I could shove down as fast and as hard as I can. That's how I eat. I'm a fast, hard eater. And um, then I called someone. And she said, okay, let's start. And, I, and, and here's, here's the miracle. God graced me. I don't know how I got abstinent that day. I don't know. I don't know why I called her at 5 o'clock on a Sunday. I don't know why I was willing to say, I don't, pardon my French, I don't give a shit about that 12-year abstinence. It doesn't mean anything to me. So I was willing to start, and that's where I'm at today. So I have an abstinence that is very clear. I don't eat my trigger foods. I don't pick up that first compulsive bite. I commit my food. I work with a sponsor. I'm sponsored, and I'm really working this program, and I've, I've had, you know, so much recovery, in my opinion, over the past two and a half years. Um, I have had to take anger management workshops. I have outside help, um, and I um, work with others. I do service. I've done amends in the past two and a half years. Uh, that I hadn't done before. Um, I'm learning how to uh, grow up. So where I'm at today, and I think the most important part is that I, you know, I'm trying to get emotional sobriety. I have right now. Food is really not an issue for me for today. We don't know how tomorrow is going to come. We all know that story, right? It can happen today that I have that feeling when I want to eat that I got to use the tools. But what I really want is emotional sobriety because you put the plug in the jug, right? You stop the food, but then you really kind of got to get to what got you in trouble in the first place. And for me, I cannot figure that out while I'm eating. I just can't because I'm back in that cycle again. Oh, I just ate. What am I going to do? I hate myself. How am I going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. So this has given me an opportunity to, you know, uncover, discover, discard. That's what this is all about. Growing up, you know, accepting life on life's terms, being mature, pausing. So that's my, that's where I'm at right now. You know, my, 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 my thing right now is to pause. That's the, if I have to tell you, that's the hardest thing ever. And what is, why? Why, why is pausing so hard? Well, pausing enables me not to, do what I want to do, say what I want to say, and expect you to do everything. I, you have to do everything I want. And my, my, um, my worth is, you know, based on how you respond to me. And I'm trying to dial that back. It's very, very, very hard. I'm going to give you an embarrassing example as quickly as possible. You probably will all relate to this, okay? I was on a trip, and I was with my sister. And my sister and I are soulmates. I love her beyond the point of no return. She was my eating buddy. She was my mom growing up. She was everything to me. She is everything to me. I, I, still, she's beyond. Although we're very different. Anyways, we're on a trip, and I was in my room, and she opened the door, and she said, Did you fart? And I'm in my room. I'm by myself. I'm not bothering anybody. And she said, and I said, are you kidding me? I responded to her as though she said to me, 
did you just kill your child? I mean, the reaction that I had over the most nothing comment. You know, she walked in, there was probably an odor. She was trying to figure out what the odor was, and she was simply asking me the question. And I got so angry at her, we didn't speak, because I reacted like a mentally disturbed human being. No normal person would react to a sentence, did you fart, like I did. So the truth is that I had to drill down on that. I had to A, apologize. I had to figure out why would I go mentally ill over a sentence like that. Well, because, you know, I see that she's like my, I still think of her like my mom. And she was criticizing me. And that, and my mom was very critical and mean to my dad. And when I was growing up, I used to have to be the protector. I would protect my dad. Don't talk to him like that. And she was mean to my sister. Don't you be mean. I was like this, you know, the strong one. So when she did that to me, she reminded me of all, and it all just, and that's that. That's, there you go. And um, so that's what I'm trying to learn how to do is to dial it back, slow it down. And the most important person that I want to do this for, you know, the thing is that, you know, we say that if you have a child or you, you know, you're not going to, well, it's not true. You know, think of all the, the people that are on the streets that have addiction. They have kids. They can't stop. This, this addiction, you know, doesn't make you do anything. You have to, you have, to have the grace of God. That's, that's, you know, and the willingness and, 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 and then take the action. So I pray and I meditate because that helps me to get to this place of, it's helping me to get to the place of pause. Um, and um, I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful to be here and I thank you for letting me speak. Okay. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, if being, please remember if you ask a question your voice may be audible on the OA podcast questions until 9.35 um, anybody have any questions? Eva that's a tough one uh, how do I work step three? That is a tough one. Uh, I just, um, every day I pray. And every day I try to find my higher power. And every day I have to, um, the only way to find it for me is to pause. Because I'm, I, I don't. Where do I, I'm, I find it here in these rooms. You know, and that's what they say, you know, until you get your own, you know, you hear people saying they, they can, um, they can look inside and get the answers or whatever. They can, they, they have a higher power and there are times that I feel that I do, but often I need you. And so that's how I do it. Any questions? Ellie. How did your 
as you change with siblings, your mother, your son? How, do, how did my relationships change with my family and others? Ah, well, my mother has been deceased way before I got recovery, and my father, too. Um, I'm, again, I have to keep saying the same thing. Pausing is the only thing that's saving me right now, because left to my own devices, I get triggered very easily, and I'm a reactor. Like, I'm a reactor. I can't, uh, you know... Um, I like to be busy. I like to do. I was a very high, I am a high functioning addict, and I really was a high functioning addict. And now, um, my life has changed, uh, a lot. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not working right now, so, um, I have the, the, the privilege to not be working right now, so my life's a little bit more slowed down, so I can slow myself down a little bit. But um, I'm the most. Here are my. Here's my rules. I I want to pause. I want to stay behind you, not in front of you. I don't want to always have every answer for you. I want to listen. I want to stay in my own lane. I don't want to gossip. And I want to not give advice. That's my specialty. That's what has gotten me in every trouble with every person whether it be my sister my son my friends so those are the things that, I, that I'm right now working on thank you in retrospect do you believe Hathaway has availed you nothing that period of time where you were substantially abstinent do you believe that you had little spiritual progress do I believe that half measures availed me nothing the answer is yes and no I don't regret one second of it. I, I, you know, we can't, we can't force progress. We can't change until we're ready. I don't know why I wasn't. I don't know why I, I did. Um, but do I wish that someone would have said, "Honey, you know, you're you're in trouble. We gotta we gotta do this different." You know, you know, the truth is, people did. You know, it was all right, and I just wasn't ready. So I don't regret it. And, you know, we just, that this is the deal. We have to just keep coming back and find our own way. I mean, you know, I hear old-timers. I just went to this amazing emotional sobriety workshop that was given by our people, not OA. It was for everyone. And, you know, this guy who gave the workshop was, you know, like 39 years sober. Um, and... You know, he just shared, like, that three years ago, this happened. And five years ago, this ha- I mean, it's just, this is called life. This is called life in progress. So I don't regret any of it. And I still think I'm having trouble with the spirituality part. And I don't care. You know, I just keep going. I, I'm just really grateful that I have this um, clarity. Um, in the process of, of asking God to remove your defects of character, were there any that you kind of stubbornly wanted to hold on to? And then how did you release them? In letting go of my character defects, 
did I want to hold on to them? And um, what was the second part? And how do you let go of them? Uh, yeah, I want to hold on to all of them. Every single one. There's nothing I like more than my character defects. I love to gossip. And I love to be right. And I love to give you advice. And I love all of it. There's not one... And I love to be fast. And I love to... Uh, I love all of it. There's nothing I like. The only reason why I'm changing is because it's... I'm hurting people. I feel like I hurt people. I see when I'm... You know, after I've done this smart advice... Right? I'm so smart. I'm giving you, you, right? Of course, I can't take any advice, but I have every advice for every single human being. Everyone, the gardener. There is no one that does that, that escapes me. Right? No one. I am on, you know, this is my, this is, this is my job now. Right? I'm, I know everything. But then people react to me and they're hurt. And they don't do what I say. And then I get mad at you. And I feel so mad at you. And, that, and that's why. So it's very hard. I want to hold on to all of them. But I really don't. I do. I don't. I do. I don't. I want to eat. I don't want to eat. It's the same stuff. But we, you know, I just, uh, you know, I have to act as if. And I have to just keep going. And, you know, that's what they say. You know, the mind that created this addiction is not the mind that's going to get you out of the addiction and the mind that's giving you that no pause and the mind that's you know telling you to tell everybody what to do and to be a maniac is not the mind so that's where the prayer and meditation come in and that's why and that's something that has become very strong for me right now I do. Thank you. Uh, how do I do my 10 step? I have a series of questions that I answer and I send it to my sponsor and I, I love it. And the reason why I love it is because I get to drill down on my day and I get to see what my part is and I get to see what I'm committed to changing. So I really love it. And also, you know, there's a part of gratitude. There's gratitude in there. And there's also, like, what happened today? One of the last questions is, what happened that you didn't think would... You know, what... How does... How does God mysteriously work? You know, what happened today that you didn't know? And I always can kind of find something, you know. Um, you know, my son wrote me a letter from camp. I mean, I have to tell you, this is a big deal. I was completely secure that he was not going to write me and I knew for a fact because he's gone many times and he hasn't and when I got that letter it was like whoa I was so oh I mean you can't even know it's the happiest that was very happy for me so that's what I do thanks Reba I'm curious about your relationship with your mom is she still alive no well, my mother is not alive. You asked what my relationship is with my mother. But, okay, so you know, the hatred and the protection that you felt, you know, when you were defending your dad and your sister and stuff like that. Um, and then knowing it's election, you know, now why you do it. Was there any compassion that was done? I know intellectually that you're not supposed to feel compassion, but on an emotional level that you're talking about. Able to feel any compassion 
Got it. Uh, what, what is my reaction? What was my reaction to my mother? What is my feeling towards her now? I have to tell you, I thank God that I don't have any anger towards her at all. I have tremendous compassion for her. I see a woman who was so broken, so terribly broken. You know, um, when my brother uh, died, uh, my mom needed to talk to me every day. I mean, there's no way that I couldn't get a day. That wasn't happening. I had to call her every day. She needed to see me, I mean, hear from me every day because, you know, she was broken. And um, I wish I understand, you know. You can understand that. Um, and she had no program. She had no program whatsoever. The only thing she had, really, was her children, which she really loved but couldn't even appreciate because she was so broken, and her husband, who loved her so beyond. She was the luckiest woman. He, she got an angel. He was an angel. God put them together, and she couldn't appreciate him. So it wasn't her time on this earth to get well. It wasn't. She didn't get well. You know, and that's, that happens. As we know, a lot of people are sick and they don't get well. And it's not necessarily because they don't want it. And it's not necessarily because they're not trying hard enough. Sometimes that's called grace. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know why, you know, I, I'm, or why some people get well and some people don't. She didn't. No matter what. She had the kids. She had a husband. She had, you know, she had... Things. She had OA, she, she had lots of stuff, but she, she didn't. So I did have a lot of compassion for her. I could say to her, I was in therapy at one point, and my parents never said, I love you. And, and they loved me. I mean, they did, but they couldn't. They just couldn't. And I remember the therapist saying to me, well, why don't you say it? I said, oh. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. He goes, well, we'll, we'll just, just, just try. And I said, oh. Anyways. I remember when I said to my father, I love you, Daddy. And I mean, if you could have seen his face, it was like, it was like a breakthrough. He goes, I love you too. I mean, it was unbelievable. And my mom too. I said, I love you. She could say, I love you back. And, you know, when she died, I was there for her every single solitary day. And I was happy to do so. And the same with my father. I mean, that's just what I did and what I was happy to do. I was eating, though, during both their deaths. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what it would have been like if I wasn't eating. That, that's a whole different story, right? So. Um, what is my physical recovery like now? Um, well, it's very interesting um, because I feel like I had like a breakthrough. Um, there are people, in fact, in this room that influence me. 
and there was something called sober eating, which I had never heard about. I, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't understand it. I never heard about sober eating. I didn't even know what that meant. And I learned about this. I this. I don't want to call it a movement. I don't want to call it. I don't know what you call it. But it's the idea is that um, it's nothing new, really, either. It's just that we don't eat no matter what. We don't take that first compulsive bite. We identify our triggers and we don't eat them because they alter our consciousness. And then, and, and then once you eat them, it's mostly likely that you will then go on a binge. That's been my experience. As soon as I eat them, you know, and also it, it, it's not necessarily the food because I will share with you that I remember one day. It was a Sunday. And I was abstinent. This was before the two and a half years. And um, I was feeling kind of low. Low. And I said, I think I'm going to put some milk in my tea. So here you go. It was very nothing. Milk in my tea. Just like you hear about the, in, that, in, in the AA story. I'm just going to put a little milk, right? But it really was milk in my tea. Because I was thinking that this substance, this milk, is going to make me feel better, right? And lo and behold, it didn't make me feel better. But then it triggered me. Now I really need something. And off I went. I'm a city driver. There I go. I get my bagel stack and I'm eating in the car and I need to get some... Get- and I, need, I need to eat fast. I need to eat fast and hard. I need to get it in before my next thing, right? So I don't think that food is going to solve any emotional problem now. I enjoy my food tremendously. Do not get me wrong. I love eating. I love my food. Do not, there's nothing I like pretty much, not much more, okay? But, you know, so that's, that's different. I, I'm accountable. What I say is what I do. And I don't need to do, food is really a non-issue for me right now. I'm not, tr- for today, I, you know, I, I, I am invisible, it's kind of invisible for me. I don't really know when I'm at a party and people are eating or this or that. I just, it doesn't, I'm not, I don't want it right now. But this is good. But, um, but should I want it, I know that I'm going to make a call. I am not going to rely on this brain to make me make decisions because it will never come up with the right I mean never that's that's a given so I don't know I hope that answers so you said you didn't have time you got asked this turned up years ago um, so how do you think you're staying up this turned up um, I think it's grace I do I really think that um, I, 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 A I think it's grace B, I'm willing, but I have the willingness from the grace. And then all the stuff that I do, I think, you know, keeps me on my path. I I don't want to be in that hell anymore. Now, 
I didn't want to be in the hell either before, trust me. You know, I didn't go to do all those things because I was happy, joyous, and free. You can rest assured. <laughs> Taking every drug and, and going to the psychiatrist and, you know, doing all the things that I did and pressing on my ears with acupuncture and starving myself and every, every crazy nut job except for the urine. That's the one thing I didn't do, the urine shots. But um, I don't, that's why I'm saying I really think it's God's grace because I don't know why. I can't answer it. Why do people struggle? And why can't they get relief? I, you know, we just have to keep going. Thank you. You mentioned you had some challenges throughout the moment. Have you used the 12 steps around that? Or are you familiar with it? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've been trying a little. <laughs> it's been interesting. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you.